When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The following episode contains graphic material and distressing themes that may be triggering to some audiences. This is a global tail link prepaid call from... An inmate at Anson Correctional Center. This call will be monitored and recorded for Pittsburgh. Crystal Howell had, by virtue of the unfortunate turn of events, been forced to live with her dad in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. She struggled to acclimate to the environment far away from her friends and home in Georgia. It was a new routine. With her short, bouncy brunette curls that danced around her sizable, piercing blue eyes, Crystal tried to make the best of it and adapt to her father's way of life. It was a far cry from what she was used to. I would go to school. He would pick me up from the bus stop. We would do a daily hike each day. We would have dinner. We would sit on the porch. And my dad called it family bonding time. He was kind of being sarcastic about it. And so we'd sit on the porch and we would watch the sun go down. And there's this crop a few mountains over. It's, I think the mountain is called Mount Lynn Lowry. And so every night they light up this cross. And so we would stay out there until that cross lit up. Young, innocent love is not without its fair share of teen drama. Having only been dating for a few months, Crystal and Tyler Lee kept the relationship going despite the long distance. Crystal longed for the person that understood her the most, her boyfriend, Tyler. But young love can also fuel rebellious acts. We were texting and, you know, it kind of, I guess, took a turn. And so I raised my hand and I'm like, hey, can I go to the bathroom? And of course, they're like, yeah, take a bath, go. And so I go in the bathroom and I go inside of the stall and I just lift my shirt up and I'm like, it's, it's fine, I'm just going to send him this picture, nothing he hasn't seen before. I didn't know if she was in school or not when she took those pictures, but yeah, I mean, of course, when we were teenagers, you know. So I sent him this picture and then we're still texting when I go back in class and I guess I'm getting overconfident and I'm not hiding my phone well enough, so the teacher comes and takes my phone. And... So I think it was like a couple periods later, um, the principal calls me to his office. So I go down there and the principal, who is a male, he's sitting at his desk and there's a female also standing in the room. And um, they're just like telling me uh, that they found these pictures in my phone that my phone kept vibrating, vibrating. So he said he picked it up and noticed that there were some sensitive images on there. and. So they told me that they were going to call my dad and that this was technically considered child pornography and they were just making this big deal about it. We were in that long distance relationship. So, yeah, I do remember the sex thing and stuff, but uh, yeah, that, you know, that was just normal. Raising a teenage daughter in love would prove to be taxing on any dad. But what Crystal was about to tell him would change their relationship. They called 
called my dad and told him to come pick me up. Um, so my dad came and I'm sitting in the office and he's clearly pissed off and he gives me the car keys and he's like, go wait in the car. And so I go out there and I'm just like, oh, I'm in trouble. This isn't good. And he comes out of the car and he's yelling at me like, why would you do something so stupid? What's going on? And he's like, they're saying that you're sh showing signs of sexual abuse. And I didn't expect him to say that because they never said anything like that to me when I was sitting in there. So it kind of caught me off guard and I just kind of started crying because I was like, felt like everything was catching up to me that I was keeping hidden because I hadn't told him about um, the sexual abuse I received from my uncle. And so I'm crying and he kind of slows down and is looking at me and he's looking worried. Cause I, I don't cry a lot. So it was very uncommon for him to see something like that. So he could tell that something was wrong and that's when he basically was like, what's going on? And I told him. Crystal says she finally got up the nerve to tell her dad about the sexual abuse she went through at the hands of her uncle. Abuse that happened while she lived with her mom in Georgia. Immediately afterward, I saw him get on the phone, and I'm sitting there like, oh, God, who is he calling? But I could tell from my dad's side of the conversation, he was talking to his lawyer, um, who was back in Augusta. So I guess I felt kind of happy because my dad was doing this thing for me that my mom hadn't done. So I felt a little bit less worried about telling him Crystal finally felt she had an ally who believed her. But Crystal's reveal about her uncle may have been too big of a bombshell for her dad to handle. After the call with his lawyer, Crystal and her dad never discussed it again. I'm Melissa McCarty. And I'm Kelly McClear. We are Emmy-nominated investigative journalists, and we've been talking to Crystal Howell since her dad's murder in 2014. Eight years after Michael Howell's murder at 25 years old, Crystal is telling her story. We bring you the exclusive series, Killing Dad, a first-degree mistake. Crystal was hoping she finally had an advocate in her dad when it came to her claims of being molested by her uncle. But Michael Howell's attention fell on the sexting with her older boyfriend, Tyler, instead. I come up one day to go to the bathroom and there's not a bathroom door. And I'm like, where's the bathroom door at? She went and told me I cannot be trusted to even use the bathroom by myself. So he took the bathroom door off the hinges and... Me being kind of defined against that, I'm like, he's trying to take the bathroom door off the hinges? Like, that's a little bit extreme. Like, I can understand maybe the bedroom door, but the bathroom door where I have to shower, I have to use the bathroom. So, the bathroom is right in the living room. So, my dad has a recliner chair, and it's basically right in plain view of the bathroom. So, it's not like it's just off some random room. Like, it's in the middle of everything. Did he do that as punishment? Yeah, punishment for the sexting incident. Yeah, for the sexting incident. That's awkward. Did, how long did the door remain off the hinges? Probably about two months, I'd say. Maybe a month and a half. 
Crystal says her dad's mood swings slowly changed the way she'd function each day, leaving her always uncertain and anxious. I'm going from being able to tell my dad anything, like, anything at all, like, just being able to talk to him and be myself to feeling like, am I, like, am I making the wrong move? Like, questioning everything I do, basically, like, when I'm putting the dishes in the dishwasher, am I putting them in the order that he likes them in? Am I, am I loading this right? Am I washing the laundry right? Am I breathing right? Like, I'm, I'm not sure what's going to set him off at this point. And I just feel like a little bit tense at times because I don't want to do something that's going to piss him off. I don't want to disappoint him. She felt her home was no longer a sanctuary and her dad no longer a best friend to confide in. My confidence was already kind of lacking. Like, I'm already kind of awkward and just already second-guessed myself in social situations. So for my house, that have been the only place where I'm comfortable to kind of open up and act goofy and show my personality. For me to have to feel like I had that at home, too, now it's kind of feel a feeling of being trapped. Tyler says Crystal was ping-ponged between two parents, often having to choose the better option in the moment. The issue I think was with her is she had two parents that hated each other's guts more than they cared about raising their child and, and fixing the issues that they could, they should have seen with her. Crystal internalized the actions of her parents to be signs of discontent for her. Now, she told me she was abused more by her mother and it was more of a, an emotional abuse from her mom and stuff she said she would get from her mom. And me, I had physical and emotional abuse from my dad. My dad, you know, is in prison for 25 years and he's never getting out. So we had this connection there. And the difference is, is I didn't really get the therapy. She didn't get the therapy. And I think we tried to find that therapy within each other. So like she was very emotionally uh, immature in the sense that she felt like, I felt like she felt like everything that happened to her was that she deserved it. Crystal says she was growing emotionally weak. At this point, she wasn't speaking to her mom, Christina, and was walking a fine line with her dad. Her friend Taylor remembers when Crystal would just disappear from time to time. Regardless of who it was with, she was constantly trying to get out of her house or have someone with her at the house. She never wanted to be alone at her house with her dad. And it would be like two or three, sometimes like three or four days where she would just like disappear. She decided living elsewhere would be a better option. That is when her title of a troubled teen turned into the runaway. Crystal wasn't talking to her mom, and the relationship with her dad was growing more unstable by the day. She felt running away was the best solution. I've always been a pretty, I guess, daring or, or brave or maybe careless would be the better word. I, I've never really thought about, like, okay, if I'm going out to live on the streets, what can happen to me then? But all, I, all I'm thinking of is, well, what's going to happen to me if I stay? Crystal packs a bag of clothes and tells her dad she's staying at her friend Jennifer's house for the weekend. But in fact, her plan was to couch surf 
as long as she could. So we're at this football game, and my bag is in the back of the truck of some random guy she was seeing. And so about at halftime, I'm wandering around kind of by myself, just sneak away from her. And I just got some random guys like, hey, y'all, can y'all take me somewhere? Like, I need a ride. And, you know, being a pretty young girl, like, guys are thinking, oh, yep, I'm going to jump on that. I'm, I'm taking her. So I find a guy to take me. Um, he drops me off in Asheville at this house party. So I go into the party, and I'm just thinking, I don't really have a plan, honestly. I'm just like, well, I'm away from home. I'll figure it out as I go. Like, I'm smart. I can, I can wing it. And so I'm hanging out with this guy, and nothing happens. We're just hanging out, and he's a college student, so we're back in his dorm, and we fall asleep. And the next morning, we wake up to, you know, the sound of a phone vibrating on a desk. So he answers his phone, because I have a phone, but it's off. I don't have it on because I don't want to be able to be tracked or anything. So my dad had found out from the records at Verizon Wireless that I was with this guy and he's threatening him. And the guy doesn't know I'm, what, like 14 years old, I believe, at the time. And so he's a college student. So he's like, I've got a 14-year-old in my dorm room. Like, this is not good. And he's like, basically, you need to go. Like, I don't know where you're going to go, but you're not going to stay here. So I just kind of get passed around from, like, people to people that day, like, just strangers I don't know, like, just friends of friends of friends. And that's why I end up at the house of this guy I don't know. Um, his name's Owen. Owen's mom is Michaela Denny. She remembers the first time Crystal came to her home. He was having a group of kids over one night, and she was one of those kids. They were up all night, and I was. We have a small house. It's not huge. But they spent a lot of time on the front porch. She was um, having a hard time. She didn't really want to go home. Yeah, well, the mom was there the whole time, but she was, like, very laid back, and she's very friendly. Um, but anytime Owen would leave the house with his girlfriend, you know, I would kind of go. And so I was just kind of hanging out with him, basically, like a third wheel. And, you know, they ended up talking to me, like, because they, they know I'm a runaway, so they were like, why'd you leave? And I I just basically, I didn't give a full explanation, but I was just like, I'm just scared to go home. Like, my dad hits me sometimes, and I just don't want to be there right now. Like, it's a lot. And they're like, okay, cool. So a couple days pass, and the mom's just like, how long is this girl going to stay with us? Like, what's up? Like, I've never seen her before. Do you even know her? <laughs> and I guess he tells her, like, well, this is a situation. I'm not going to have a teenager in my house, you know, with a bunch of boys here. And she's saying, you know, I've been abused you know, and not do something about it. I felt like he was in an abusive situation. I just felt like we needed to call the police, that I wasn't comfortable taking her home. And she agreed to that. It was pretty quiet. I mean, she had, she had the kids, the other kids that were here were her friends and they were very supportive of her. Everybody was real quiet. She went off and, you know, she went to a corner of the deck and or the corner of the porch and talked to the police. Um, I think she didn't want to go home. I think she was afraid of her dad. And I hate to say that because I didn't know the man. I don't know what to say. You know, except that's the feeling I got. So we're sitting out on like, like a, an enclosed in like, like a screened in porch. Like we're not in the house when I'm talking to him. I'm sitting outside kind of. And he's just basically like looking at me and it's making me kind of nervous because I haven't really 
had very many encounters with the police besides being taken out of school. So I'm just like, is this a good guy or a bad guy? Like, what do I say? What do I not say? Because I want help, but at the same time, I don't want my dad to get in trouble. Like, I don't want to see him back in jail. So I just tell him, I was like, well, my dad hits me, and I'm just scared to go home, scared of what's going to happen if I do go there. And he was like, well, I'm going to take you home, and if things aren't safe there, he said, I'm trained to know this stuff, so if it's not safe, then I won't make you go in. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, cool. He's going he's gonna to go figure something out, and then maybe he can give us some help. Crystal gave the officer her trust. She was relieved, thinking this could be the answer. The drive home with the officer was an excruciating 45 minutes. It was pretty quiet. It was just silence and so quiet that you can like hear the wheels like rolling and you just, I was staring out the window and he's not saying anything. All of the hope she had in that moment for a turning point with her dad vanished with one sound. The cop, he drove down the driveway and when he sees our house, I hear him laugh like kind of under his breath, like like kind of scoff, like, is this girl for real? Like, cause I mean, it's a big house. We have a Land Rover parked in the driveway. It's in this nice area. So I feel like in his head, he's thinking, what can be wrong with this girl's life? She lives here. Like what can possibly be messed up about this? What the officer saw was the sprawling mountain retreat and the high priced vehicle in the driveway. But what he didn't foresee was the permanent mark that would be left on Crystal. He knocks on the door, and it doesn't take long for my dad to come. You know, my dad doesn't really do much. So he's at the door immediately, the dog's barking. And I just kind of like slide in, like, so now I'm inside the house. And I'm just over there with the dog, like, hanging out. And... They're just talking about my dad's like, you know, she's a troubled teen. She just wants to buck against the system. Like, I just need to try to get her under control. I'm sorry it won't happen again. And the cop's sitting there laughing. He's like, yeah, I get it. This stuff happens all the time. Like, whatever. Just brushes it off and leaves. And I felt kind of stupid to know that even just a little bit, like, nobody cares what's going on. Nobody is willing to listen. So what's the point of even speaking up? Crystal says she was told to take a seat at the kitchen table. And he's boiling this water and I'm like, what's going on? Like, my dad doesn't like, drink any, like, I don't know, any tea or whatever it is that people boil. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And I'm just sitting there and he grabs his turkey baster and the water is boiling and it's like screaming. And he grabs his turkey baster and fills it with hot water. And he grabs my face and like pours the water in my mouth. And I, his hands are on me like gripping my face so hard like you can't close your mouth. And I just feel this pain and I, I spit the water out as fast as I can and it lands on my arm and it burns me there too. And like it's just the pain, it's hard to explain. Like you you can't, you don't want to breathe because your breath blows the burns. You don't, I don't know, it just hurts. It hurts. 
And he looked at me and said, this is what happens to snitches, and just walks out of the room. And I'm just there kind of on the floor, like, fell out of my chair, like, the pain. Uh, and I, I'm just like, I'm not going to anybody else again. If this is what happens. Crystal, it sounds like this memory and this incident is really, really hard for you. Can you tell us why? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, I didn't expect that to happen. Like, I I was just trying to do the right thing. I was trying to get help. And from both angles, like, I'm not getting the results. I want the police aren't helping me. My dad is doing something crazy that I feel like I would only expect to happen in, like, a hostel movie or something. Like, who, who does that? Like, who whose brain thinks of that? And then afterward, like, it was like this tea kettle that was on the... I'd never seen it before, but after this, it just... He left it out on the stove. It was always there. So every time I'm in the kitchen, I look at it, and I remember what happened. (laughs) He referred to you as a snitch for two months. He said, instead of your name. Yeah. Yeah. You have 60 seconds remaining. The scars and marks on Crystal's neck and throat did not go unnoticed by her friends. And the moniker of snitch given to her by her dad is still seared into Crystal's mind. But Crystal tried again to run away, and this time to stay away as long as she could. Once again, she reached out to Owen and his mom, Michaela, for help. So Crystal called my son, and Owen dropped everything and came to me and asked if we could go pick her up. See, that's the thing. She, these kids found enough of her to help her. And I didn't know Crystal that well from, except from the first night. And Owen was just insistent that she needed a ride. And so we went and got her, brought her back here, spent the night. We woke up the next day and she had gone. And so the vicious cycle of running away continued. Each time it ended with Michael finding Crystal and bringing her home to the mountaintop. On one unforgettable day, she waited for a calmer moment to ask her dad a question she'd hoped would create a turning point in their relationship. It was a weighty question for a scared teen, apprehensive of the answer she would receive. We're sitting on the porch like we do every day and just kind of staring at the mountains and talking about stuff. And for a while, silly things like just to make a conversation. And... But over time, it it became obsessions over my mom and obsessions over the past, obsessions over just random things. I was like, when did, Dad, you, well, I started out like this. I was like, do you remember when we used to talk on the phone every day, like, when I was back in Georgia? And he's like, yeah, yeah, of course I remember. Like, how could I forget something like that? Like, that was a big thing for us. And... During those phone calls when I was younger, he used to always tell me, it's us versus them. Like, me and you versus everybody else. So, on this afternoon, I asked him, like, when did it stop being us versus them to us versus each other? Like, I don't understand. And he just kind of got quiet. And he didn't really say anything. But Michael did respond in an unexpected way. 
On the next episode of Killing Dad, Crystal gets her first shooting lesson in the woods that would soon become a first-degree mistake for murder. He grabbed the gun and he told me, okay, one pumpkin's your mom, one pumpkin's your stepdad, and one pumpkin's your sister. Yeah, I'll be coming home.